Welcome to Boating Insights. This is a podcast about achieving your boating dreams. Brought to you by Above and Beyond Boating. We deliver the leading courses to skipper your own boat. Hello there, welcome back to Boating Insights. You're joined by me, Mr. Neil Driscoll, and I am going to share a podcast with you today uh, where the topic is having a plan to make a plan. The, what we're looking at here is that as you're, uh, particularly if you're changing boat, but also even just as the years um, move on, which is, as we all know, sadly, you know, time and tide waits for none of us and we get both of them with boating. So it's making sure that, you know, on a regular basis, be it every year, couple of years, might be more frequently than that possibly, but at least every couple of years that you're looking from a boating perspective at what you're trying to achieve and uh, and then it might sound funny but if, if you don't know what you're trying to achieve it's going to be impossible to achieve it um, and so the idea of this is when looking at the boating if you've got you know a higher level just like you would within a sort of business framework but what are we actually trying to do here like is this us having time as a family is this me having a hobby other than work is this uh something to do with friends is this um because i really want to be racing or cruising or exploring or is this a year out is this a adventure where we're trying to you know buy a boat in one location and sail home um the reason this is important is because particularly, you know, if you go to the far extreme for a minute on the bigger ones, like I just mentioned there, like buy a boat and sail home, maybe if you, you know, buying a boat in the US and sailing it back to Europe or Australia or New Zealand or vice versa, then it, it's really important to have these things have sort of clearly laid out because they will often affect things like the time frame, um, possibly the budget. Um, or pro- almost certainly the budget. Um, but also um, being clear on something like this can can make everything much easier. So I'll give you an example. You know, right now I'm recording this um, 2021. Um, depending where you are in the world, uh, you might be moving freely still or you might be uh, like us here in um uh, Australia, where you know we barely move between the states with confidence um, at the moment, and certainly can't uh, yeah travel overseas uh, w- without it being pretty complex. Anyway, now the reason I mention that is you know we're talking to families um, at the moment who you know they had a plan, um, as many of us you know well everyone's obviously had their plans changed in the last year or so, but. You know, they had a plan they'd set this year aside that they wanted to go exploring as a family um, on a boat. You know, they bought a boat, renting out a house, figuring out all the homeschool, all, all that stuff. Um, now, clearly, there's no immediate options for doing things like getting out to, you know, Fiji or New Mir or New Zealand or even further afield. Um, and that has given you know an option where you know they've been able to look and go right what are we trying to achieve here and it's like okay what we really wanted is a year as a family 
we wanted an experience away, you know, away from all the material things that being in a house brings. Um, you know, we wanted time to connect. We wanted to explore. We wanted to yeah, wake up and with the sun and, you know, go, go to bed with the sun and all, all, all that kind of stuff and have the adventure. Um, and then it's like, okay, well, cool. We can actually do that in Australia. You know, it's, um, that's fine. It's an awesome place for an adventure. It's not the, it's not what we had planned, but that still works. Going the other way, if someone was sort of looking, going, right, yeah, I wanted to buy in Europe because, you know, I really wanted to cruise the Mediterranean and sail around the world. Well, clearly, unless you can, you know, say, get a ticket out, then that might not be an option anymore. Now, probably now more than ever, that I would say has become more important, you know, with uncertainty for a while yet over where you can travel or what you can do. It makes it much easier for you to um, kind of work out if you've got the right boat and if you've got the, you know, if you've got the right plan uh, and if it might be time for a new plan. You know, on, on, on the other end of things, you know, I um, I bought a boat um, that we can use uh, for you know making a lot of the content for the business but also uh, w- when it's not busy uh, being used for work that it's an option you know something that when my family or parents come over from the UK for a month each year that you know I'd be able to help get them out and take them exploring on the harbour on a you know very easy way that's uh, very uh, mobility friendly Um but with them not being able to travel anymore, then, you know, you go, well, okay, well, what do we need this boat for? And you say, okay, well, all right, well, we still do need it for the work side of things. Um, and does it work for the family side of things? Yep, okay, cool. So we're still achieving an objective. Let's review in, let's review in a year. Um, and I think when you're clear on these things, it makes it a lot easier for you to know if you've got the if you've got the right boat for you. I mean, I, um, I remember, you know, it was a very analytical approach, but it's worked amazingly. It was a, a program I was involved with a lot a few years ago. And, you know, we literally worked out a waiting because the boat was being used for um, offshore racing, inshore racing, and liverboard cruising. And we essentially just looked at a ratio. So you know, how much of the time, was what percentage of the time near enough would be spent doing each of those activities so that when weighing up what the best boat would be, we could adjust kind of the things that were important. So, for example, there might be boats that would sail a lot better, but then they were nowhere near as comfortable um, or they might need a, you know, a more advanced crew than was likely to be around, you know, the point you suddenly got to kick off your mates from primary school and start bringing in hired guns just to go racing on a Saturday, that might not, might not work for people. It will vary for everyone. You know, if it's a, if, if you've got a motorboat, you know, are you, are you wanting to be fishing? Are you, we might not therefore need any of the sort of liverboard stuff, or is it predominantly a boat that you want to be able to kind of like camp out on and spend weeks at a time on? And therefore, you know, if you're predominantly going to be moored, how important is uh, space against power? You know, can you chug around at eight knots rather than an option of getting around at 30 knots so that then you can, um, 
you know, maybe invest some of the money more into being comfortable. If you, you know, I think probably something which is often not considered as carefully as it could be with the benefit of hindsight is how many people am I likely to have on board? Um, you know, I've seen that work brilliantly well um, where, you know, someone knows that they're probably going to be single-handed or double-handed and they've really paid attention to that when they're setting a boat up, uh, where they keep it, how they moor it, etc., etc. Um, or if you know you're going to have a lot of people on board, um, you can probably got, you know, you can be a bit more forgiving on that. The boat can be a lot harder to sail or moor or uh, drive, depending on, on, on what you've got. Um, you know, it's uh, always a funny one for me still after all these years in Australia that um, here it's, you know, shade is such a massive consideration. I, I remember reading a blog uh, a few years ago of a you know, really, really amazing sailor and meteorologist, and he was saying how, you know, they did the buy the boat in um, Europe, got to the Caribbean, and, you know, having been doing so much sailing in uh, England uh, for a long time leading up to the trip, had just basically forgotten to think about shade and got to the Caribbean, and obviously that becomes a pretty big issue quite quickly. Um, you know, I see photographs of boats at home or, you know, where I'm from all the time, and, you know, it's all spray dodgers and protection, and um, it's what we call in Australia, you call it a good Tassie boat, you know, the solid hard dodger, because depending where you are, you might be right on the edge of the Southern Ocean. Um, whereas... You know, you go further north in Australia, then, you know, shade is a massive consideration. You might not even have spray dodgers at all, but you definitely couldn't get by without shade. Um, you see that the same with um, uh, motorboats and particularly motor cruisers. It's, um, you know, how are we, we going to use this space? Um, like, do we want to be on a flybridge with clears or a hard bimini or a soft bimini or you know do we actually want a flybridge are we are we likely to just be outside um look it's horses for courses um and as they say whatever floats your boat i've got two in there for you um but the whole thing is often you'll get drawn towards a boat because they're an emotional purchase and you know it's it it, it there is so much choice. It's totally overwhelming all the time. Um, choosing a boat, choosing where you're going to keep it, choosing how long you keep it for. Um, actually think if you can get yourself back to a point that you, you sort of just make it sort of like standard goal, like, all right, let's look at what we're going to be doing. Usually a boat will be ticking multiple boxes. So it's like, okay, what what are we going to be doing? Let's weigh how important each thing is, be it fishing, sailing, racing, uh, going out single-handed opposed to going out with multiple people. And then um, it actually makes it a lot easier to sort of work out what the best boat's going to be or what the, what the best setup's going to be for you. Um, the other side is, um, which we're only really touching on, but is then, you know, what's the maintenance going to look like for you, which, you know, that might help you decide how many owners you want in the boat. Um, you know, would you like to be able to divide your bills by, you know, two or four or 10? Um, 
uh, you know, there's a lot of very, very good shared ownership uh, solutions. You know, I, that's uh, what I've got with a private syndicate. You know, it's, it can work really nicely. Uh, but that comes with a compromise. You know, you've got to share, you then got to share your vote. So, you know, how, what does that look like? Also, um, the the projects, it always makes me sad to see, um, you know, well, sorry, it makes me thrilled to see when they go well, but it does make me sad when I'll see someone's kind of had a boat in their garden somewhere forever and, you know, they never end up getting it in the water. Um, and, you know, maybe that was the objective. I mean, there was a, uh, a house in a garden, or sorry, no, a yacht in a garden uh, just near where I grew up on Hailing Island for so many years, decades, that you used to give directions based on like go down the road with the yacht in the garden and people would sort of wonder what you meant and then they'd go past this massive steel yacht that was bigger than the house and go, oh, right, okay, got it. Um, and, uh, you know, I was thrilled a couple, the last time I was home to see that actually um, the yacht had made it to the water, which had been... It'd been in the garden for my whole memorable life, so uh, it gets there eventually. But I suppose you've got to ask yourself, do you want to spend 30 years working on a boat or would you like to sail it at some point? Uh, again, quite extreme, but I'm trying to use these extreme scenarios to help you really think about what are you, what are you trying to achieve? Like, would you, Do you enjoy doing maintenance? Do you enjoy getting involved in that? Or would you prefer a hands-off solution? I mean, on the radio assessments we meet people every day that you know have gone for that and you know they're often very happy and that that works um and and then I meet lots of people that just they actually really enjoy the tinkering and the playing and the doing and stuff so I do think when you're looking at how you're going to use the boat and how important those things are aside from the uh, financial side of the maintenance it is worth being quite mindful to how involved you actually want to be because if you don't have the option of paying for everything to get done by someone which can obviously add up pretty quickly um then you know if you if you buy yourself a a beautiful timber vessel then you know you may well be signing up to uh quite a lot of time swinging a brush and you know that can be one of the one of the highlights so look I, i i hope this is helpful for you um you know in summary make a plan um put a date on it that it will get reviewed um try and weigh up if you're doing multiple things which ones are the most important to you and um i hope this helps you kind of just keep on point and having fun and getting out there so uh, thanks very much for listening